My name is Tamara Gober, and I'd like to personally welcome you to the Hope Community Podcast. Before we begin, if you live in the New York City area and are looking for a church home, I'd like to take this time to invite you to our services. For time and place, check out our website, hopecommunitynyc.com. Again, thanks for listening. We hope you are encouraged by this message, and we truly pray you walk away looking more like Jesus. Today we are going to be talking about joy. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, if you guys want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, um, verse 6 through 9, 6 through 8 is where we're going to be today. And, uh, and we're going to be talking about joy from, from that book because Peter has some awesome things to say about that. Um, first of all, there's one week until Christmas. One week until Christmas. Like my daughter today was like, we have a countdown on our mantle and uh and you move the little thing to the day that it's supposed to be on and she said can you move it to seven days today so we moved it to seven days today and then she's really cute and she's like i can't wait seven days till christmas and then in my brain i'm like but it's seven days until christmas is over and i try to tell her that um because i'm like let's not celebrate too quickly let's not be so happy too quickly for it to be here because as soon as it is it's gone uh because i love this time of i love this time of year it's just a lot a lot of fun um we you know, listen to songs that uh, we only get to listen to really once a year, unless you're a rebel and you listen to it elsewhere. Um, but it's just a really, really good time of year. And uh, and I hope you guys have enjoyed, um, you know, specifically uh, just this Advent season that we've been uh, going through. I can't believe we're already on our third week. Um, you know, we've talked about hope. We've talked about peace. We're going to talk about joy. And then uh, next week on Christmas Day, we're going to get to talk about love. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. And to let you guys know what's going to be going on um, next week. Uh, we are actually going to be having a family worship service, and so all kids, everybody's going to be together, um, and we're going to have uh, just kind of a, a shortened message, um, unless the Holy Spirit leads me to go longer, which he might. I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, that's the idea, is uh, it'll be a little bit shorter, and uh, and we'll just have a good time together, singing some songs and, and talking about um, God's love. Uh, but today we get to talk about joy. And, uh, you know, yesterday, one thing that I mentioned to um, the crowd that was there uh, is, is I mentioned that, you know, for a lot of them and for a lot of us, uh, towards the end of the year, um, it's just a little bit difficult sometimes to find joy. Because if you find yourself, usually towards the end of the year, you find yourself contemplating things specific things. Like, what did I accomplish this past year? And then you start contemplating things like, what have I accomplished up to this year? Like, what have I done with my life, basically? And then it can cause you to think about the future. And it can cause you to think about, okay, well, is this all that all that I'm going to be doing? Like, is this all that life is? Is this, you know, for a lot of people, it can be kind of a, a time where it kind of robs you of joy. Plus, you know, all the things that you have to get done and, and everything for the end of the year. Sometimes joy can be something that is a little bit robbed from us. And what I want to talk about today is that Joy is something that we are supposed to be able to tap into as believers, something we're supposed to be able to tap into 24-7, 24-7. It's supposed to be something that we are able to have 
all of the time. Last week, uh, we talked about peace, and specifically we talked about how peace is a fruit of the Spirit, right? You can go ahead and put up that uh, verse of Scripture um, out of Galatians, yep, where it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And, um, and we talked about peace. We're going to talk about love next week, but we're talking about joy today. It's also a fruit of the Spirit. And one thing that I want us to understand about the fruits of the Spirit is that those are things that we are supposed to be, not things that we are necessarily supposed to have. Those are things that we are supposed to be, all right? When a, like a fruit is a produce, right? It's a production of what you are. So what we have is the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit produces in us is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Like these are things that we aren't necessarily good at right away. Remember we talked about how if it was a gift, and that means that we would always be love or joy or peace or patient or kind like we if, if it was something that we or we would always feel those things and one thing I noticed that we do with specifically joy and peace that we don't do with the rest of the fruits of the spirit is we think that that joy and peace were meant for us to have as a fruit of the spirit not something for us to be as a fruit of the Spirit, but something for us to have. So we're like, oh yeah, no, the fruit of the Spirit, I'm supposed to be patient. I'm supposed to be kind. I'm supposed to be good. I'm supposed to be faithful. I'm supposed to be gentle and have self-control. I'm supposed to be loving. But when it comes to joy and peace, a lot of times what we do with those is go, oh, those two that we have. Like joy, I, I, I have that fruit of the Spirit. No, it's a fruit that's supposed to be produced in you. And so is peace. You're supposed to be a peaceful person. You're supposed to be a joyful person. It's not, those, those aren't the ones that were just meant for you to hold on to tightly. Because a lot of times whenever we're like, well, I don't feel very joyful. I don't feel very peaceful. So those fruits of the Spirit must not be working very well in me. Well, they might not be working well in you because if you don't feel joyful and if you don't feel peaceful, you're probably not going to be joyful and you're probably not going to show a lot of peace towards other people. But these two fruits, they are supposed to be something that we are supposed to be. So I want to talk about joy today. And we're going to talk about how we're supposed to have joy. But we've got to know that the reason that we have joy is so that we can be joy through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like you and I as believers, we are supposed to be showing a joyful personality. Why? Because we've been born again, because we are saved, we are redeemed. We should be showing something different than what the rest of the world has. We have a hope inside of us, and that hope should produce a joy that shows on the outside. For people that have short-lived hope, they're only going to have a short-lived joy. But if you talk to someone who seems to be joyful all the time, well, that's a person that we really want to get to know, because it's like, what's your secret? How can you be joyful all the time? And so I want us to, you know, kind of talk about um, having joy, but then also being joyful. First uh, Thessalonians 5.16, I don't have it on the screen, but it says, it's a command and it says, be joyful always. Be joyful always is what the scripture says that we're supposed to be. Well, how do we do that? And that's what we wonder sometimes. If that's possible, then what am I doing wrong? If I'm not joyful always, what am I, what's wrong with me? What's, what's going on? And the truth is, is you won't produce joy if you don't have joy. 
You won't produce it if you don't have it. And let's admit it, okay? Sometimes there are things going on in life where it is extremely difficult to find joy in the middle of it. You guys agree with that? Have you ever had that problem before? There are things going on in life and you're just like, man, it's so hard to find joy in the middle of this. Times of trials where we find ourselves in time of immense pain sometimes. That pain can be emotionally. That pain can be psychologically. That pain can be physically as well. Sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of that, and, and especially whenever we have these different trials that are going on. And so the question I want to answer today is one I think all of us, every single one of us probably have, and that question is, how can I find joy in the midst of trials, in the midst of painful times, in the midst of difficult times, and in depressing times, times whenever circumstances of life are extremely difficult, how can we find joy? What does the scripture say about this? And just letting you know, I read ahead and we're all good. All right? We're going to find it. Like it's in here, okay? And so let's, let's look for it, okay? And here's the thing. When we find it, we're going to be it, all right? That fruit of the Holy Spirit will produce in our life more and more. So let's go looking for joy. Let's find joy. And honestly, um, Jordan was already preaching it earlier in her prayer. Like the things that she was talking about in her prayer, I was like, calm down. I got to preach on that in a minute, all right? So, um, I mean, she gets it and it's, and it's awesome. Um, but so in order, for, in order to do this, and before we get into the scripture, I want to use an illustration, okay? Finding joy in the middle of hardships, it's something we actually do all the time. Finding joy in the middle of hardships is something that we just kind of do without even really thinking about it. Why? Because nobody likes to be miserable. Nobody's sitting in the middle of misery and going, oh, I would like some more of this. No, we try to find the silver lining, right? We try to find where the joy is in stuff, right? Like I know a lot of people um, who aren't a fan of Mondays. Anybody in the room not a fan of a Monday? You saw, I, I, I know. A lot of times it's like, oh man, why? Because we just left the weekend. And it's like now we've got to go and we've got to go back to work and, and it's Monday again or whatever the first day you know, of the week is for you. But here's what we do. We always still consider, we always look for joy because while we wake up in the morning and we go, oh, I got to get on the train. I've got to, you know, like I've got to just do the whole thing today. And not only that, I got five days of this coming up, right? Like that's kind of what our mindset is. But as we go through our day, we're like, okay, where's the joy though? And we think five o'clock. That's where my joy is. And we just think about it, right? We're like, yeah, I've got to work right now, but if I can just make it to five o'clock, then I can go home, put on my sweatpants and like hang out and, and you know, do what, however you veg or whatever you like to do. If you're a parent, it's like, then I have to go play goalie, right? Uh, with the kids. But like, I mean, that's just, that's, we, we look forward to five o'clock. We look for that joy. We also like towards the end of the week, we start thinking about the what? The weekend, right? And we, and we start to get excited about that. That's kind of what gets us through our week. We're in the middle of something that we're going, oh, and we look for the joy and it's in the weekend. Now, the weekend, it comes and goes really, really quick. And so a lot of the times that's how your joy is as well. It shows up and then it goes away. Why? Because all of these things, they show up 
and then they go away. And if you have a joy in things that show up and go away, well, then your joy is going to show up and go away. All right? Like, I mean, it could last as long as a weekend. It could last as long as a vacation, right? Sometimes joy lasts a little bit longer than other joys. Vacations, like a week worth of vacation is way better than a weekend. And you know how nice it is for the week leading up to when you know you've got a week of vacation coming up, right? You're like, I can get through this week. Why? Because I have joy in my heart because I'm going on vacation. I remember whenever I was in school, like towards the end of school, guess what was coming up? Summer break. That means no more school. And man, do you want to talk about like, I could, I could easily get through the last two weeks of school. Why? Because I knew that summer break was coming up. But guess what happens to summer break? Guess what happens to vacation? It goes away. And so does our joy. And so we have, sometimes we find our joy in these things to, are very, very temporary, temporary. But what if, what if our joy, what if those moments of glee uh, were in something not temporal, but eternal? I think God meant for that to happen. I think like reading scripture and looking into the Bible, guys, I've got good news. Like God meant for us to be joyful through something eternal. And find it in something eternal and not something temporal, right? What if it was something we could draw from when we think about it and it never, ever, ever goes away? It's bigger than a vacation. It's big, bigger than a summer break, right? And that's what Peter is trying to tell these believers through this letter. Because think about this for a moment. As much as we hate Monday, I'll bet if we like tried to go to someone at the time that Peter, that Peter was writing this to these like Christians who were being persecuted and they were like, tell me about your day. And you were like, it's Monday, I hate it. Do you know what those people would look at you and say? What? Like, are you insane? You're worried about Monday? Like I'm being chased, I'm being persecuted. My family could possibly be killed. I could possibly be killed. And we're not talking about inhumane ways of dying. Like we're talking about inhumane ways of dying, right? And so, yeah, go ahead and talk about your Monday, but let me tell you, so, so how in the world is Peter going to say, hey guys, but there can still be joy? Like you can still find joy because trust me, for these Christians back there, they're not going, but here comes the weekend. All right. There was no weekend. There was no vacation. There was no summer break. This is something that they were constantly dealing with all the time, all of the time. And whenever we get into it uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, it's going to be the first verse we read. You know what his first four words are? So be truly glad. <laughs> what? So be true. Like... I know, guys, things are tough, so be truly glad. And us, we get upset with someone whenever we're going through something hard and somebody says, but we can find joy. We're like, I don't want to hear that, right? No, like that's what we need to hear. So be truly glad because we can find joy even in the midst of very, very difficult times. Another translation, it says rejoice. It's like, oh, you're going through all this? Rejoice. Rejoice. Remember last couple of weeks ago, the first thing he said uh, in first Peter was praise God, right? Praise God. He's like, so be glad, rejoice. I know you're going through all this. So here's, here's what I wonder. If Peter can convince these Christians to be glad in the midst of what they're going through, just maybe what Peter is talking about can have the same effect on me and what I'm going through. You think? Is that a far stretch? I don't think so. I think that's actually a pretty easy one. So let's take a look at this passage, all right? First Peter chapter one, verse six. Here's what he says. So be truly glad 
there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. In the ESV, it says, in this you rejoice. Well, we've got to ask ourselves the question, in what? In what do we rejoice? Like whenever it says, so be truly glad, so what? Like there, that's telling you there was something before. And he was saying this, 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 and this, and this. So be truly glad. Well, let's find out what he's talking about. What, how can we find joy? How can we find gladness? And it's a verse we actually read two weeks ago. Uh, if we go all the way back to verse three, which isn't far, it's three verses, all right? It says this in, uh, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse three. He says, it is by his great mercy. You guys remember this? It is by his great mercy that we have been, what? Born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed revealed on the last day for all to see. So what is it that we are supposed to rejoice about? What is it that they are supposed to find joy in? What is it they are supposed to rejoice about and find, and what are we supposed to find our joy in, in, in spite of incredible hardships, right? Well, number one, the fact that they get to experience salvation. He's like, you guys get to experience salvation. You get to be born again. And we're going to look at this in a second. And the fact, and this is why I love what Jordan prayed about just a second ago, because she was, she was truly coming before the Lord and she was like, thank you for salvation. Now you guys know that Jordan is a pretty new Christian, right? Got to baptize her this summer. It was pretty awesome. But that is the heart of a new Christian who has not gotten over their salvation. And I just want to say some of us can get over our salvation. We should never get over our salvation. That should be something that we should be able to, to draw joy from at all times. But not even just in the fact that we're saved. We're going to look at something in a minute. Uh, it's the fact that salvation that we have is through and in Jesus, specifically. Like Peter, and I know you're like, yeah, I mean, how else would it work? But we're going to, I want us to look at this scripture real quick. Um, but he's saying, don't forget about how incredible your salvation incredible your salvation is. Because look what he says. Like, you're like, okay, yeah, salvation through Jesus. Like, like there, is there another way? But look what he says in verse 10. It's on the screen for you guys. He talks about that salvation. He says, this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and, in, and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit from heaven, sent from heaven. It is also so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. He, Peter's telling them, he's like, have you ever thought about how incredible it is that you are getting to live in this specific time of salvation? 
Like you get to experience this specific day and age, like the time of salvation. He's like, do you understand how lucky you are? Do you understand how like jealous the prophets must be and the angels are? Because you get to experience the culmination of every single thing that has been going on for thousands of years. And you got to see the Messiah. You got to be a part of it. You get to be saved through a faith in Jesus Christ. They were saved through faith as well, but, but we get to be saved by faith in the Messiah that, that we know came. And he's like, man, you, you, draw, you get to draw joy from that. You see, I think um, on this side of things, we, we have the temptation to look at like Isaiah and Moses and Abraham and Noah, and we, and we read their stories and we're like, oh man, this is so cool. Like if only I got to experience God like they experienced God. Isaiah, man, got to, got to hear from God and he wrote down these things. Abraham got to hear from God and he had a special thing that he wanted him to do. Like Noah, man, I can't believe it. Like God spoke directly to him. He's in the Bible. Like, man, if I could just, and I think that if like we could stop for a moment, like bring them all back and like sit around and get to have a conversation, we'd go, man, how was it? You guys are lucky. They'd go, you are. You're the one that's lucky. Are you kidding me? They're like, you're the one that, got to see, that gets to experience the Messiah. You're the one that knows the whole picture from everything that we had no idea what it was really going to look like. And you guys are the one that gets to, and tell me about it being indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Like, what's that like? That's gotta be amazing as well. Like, don't tell me you wish you were us. We wish we were you because you get to experience all of these cool things. And you see, like, I think sometimes, like, because we've, because we live where we live and in the time period that we live in, man, we take for granted the fact that we get to experience Jesus Christ from this side. It's pretty awesome that we get to. And so whenever Peter's talking to these guys, he's like, first of all, I know you're being persecuted. Find your joy in the fact that you're saved. And also find your joy in the fact that you get to experience salvation through and in the Messiah who came. That's an incredible, incredible thing, right? So he's like, rejoice in that. Even in your times of hardship, find joy in that. And I want to ask us, do we find joy in salvation? Do we rejoice in salvation? That's something like, I mean, I don't just write down and be like, that'll get them. Like that gets me, right? Like, do I rejoice in my salvation? And I'll stand up here and tell you, no, there are some times that I do not. I do not draw on the joy that God has made available for me to have when I should. And so that to me was very um, incredibly convicting. And I was so glad, you know, to come across this and go, oh yeah, like, man, why, why do I find myself, you know, um, just, just down in the dumps about stuff sometimes whenever these trials or whatever's going on, man, I'm saved. Not only am I saved, I get to experience this side of Jesus, it's, it's just an amazing, amazing thing. Um, and I love that he says that something that the angels wish they could even get a piece of experiencing. Like the angels are sitting here going, this is incredible. They get to experience it, but the angels don't. There are also people I think we were like, man, I'm jealous of you angels. And they'd be like, no, 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 no. We're jealous of you. Um, but hard times come and go, but our salvation, guess what? It's always there. It's always there. All right, always, always there. The second thought that Peter said should bring them joy and that should bring us joy is the fact that they, we have a priceless inheritance in heaven. Uh, guys, I love that. Do you guys love looking forward to stuff? 
Like, I love looking forward to stuff. Like I said, if we've got a vacation coming up, I'm like, yay, right? We got heaven coming up. We have heaven coming up. Like, we have the greatest, like, you, you forget about vacations, forget about summer break, forget about, like, you, those things can't even hold a candle to what we have coming up, right? It's an incredible thing. And he's like, man, don't forget about that. Like, your inheritance is heaven. And he's also telling him that because he's like, don't fear death. Like, death is only going to be a pathway into everlasting life. That's what that's going to be. And that's just an incredible, incredible thing. Um, and another comforting thing he says, the third thing, is that this inheritance that we have can never be taken away. It's never going to be taken from us, ever. It's protected by our faith and by the power of God, right? You know how you have these grand plans for the weekend, and then all of a sudden something happens, and boom, those plans are gone? You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, man, somebody got sick, right? Somebody got COVID. <laughs> how, many, how many plans has that ruined, right? That has ruined so many plans. Like, we're going to go on a cruise. Never mind. <laughs> like, right? Like this, I mean, it's just, it's a terrible thing. Um, but... But the inheritance we have waiting for us, literally it's saying that nothing can stop us from experiencing it. Not even the devil himself, right? I mean, there is no, well, I'm really looking forward to heaven as long as everything goes all as planned, right? No, like everything's gonna go as planned. Like I promise you everything in the Bible says everything's gonna go, all is gonna go well. You cannot stop it. So how do we find joy while going through hard times? Well, we look outside of hard times and we look at our salvation, number one. Number two, we look at our inheritance. And number three, we look at the security of our inheritance, all right? And those are things that are outside of the trials that we're going through and the trial that they were going through. He's like, don't look at the trial, like look around it. You see all this other good stuff? Like keep your eyes focused on that. And if we remember these things, we're going to find joy and we're going to be joyful through the Spirit. Now, God knew that they could find joy in those things uh, that are outside of those trials, okay? But is God big enough and is God convincing enough to convince us that we can actually find joy in the trial itself? We can find joy outside of the trial, right? But can we find joy inside of the trial itself and through the actual trial, all right? I know that sounds crazy, right? How could we ever find joy in a trial? But I wanna look at what God told Peter to write in verse six, okay? So he says, and, and seven mainly is where we're gonna be. So he says, be, so be truly glad because of those things outside of the trial, like look forward to those things. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure trials for a little while. And then he goes into the trial itself in verse seven. He says, these trials, will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith, it's far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So let's think about this for a minute, all right? Finding joy in a trial is going to take a shift of mindset for us. All right? It's going to take something going on radically in our brains. Uh, but as we've seen, so is finding hope. It took a shift of mindset to find hope, to also to find peace and to be peace. And it's going to mean looking at a trial from a different angle. Okay? We always see trial in a trial. Can we look at, at this trial from a different angle? Because we see the bad, can we look at it from a different angle? 
I've told you guys about uh, target fixation. Do you guys remember whenever I told you about that? Like if you weren't, if you weren't here for that, um, that's something that they, they taught us uh, whenever um, I was learning to ride a motorcycle. It also is helpful whenever you're learning to drive a car as well. And that means that if there's something in the road that you do not want to hit, don't look at the thing you don't want to hit because you will hit the thing you don't want to hit. What you need to do, and that's called target fixation. When you're like, don't hit it, don't hit it. You're just staring right at it. You're gonna go straight for it, okay? So what they tell you to do is they tell you to look around it. Like look at something else. Look at where you want to go instead of where you don't want to go, okay? That's what they tell you about target fixation. It's the same way with trials. If you wanna be miserable in the trial, well then fixate on the trial. Go for it. If you want to be miserable in a trial, think about the trial, fixate on the trial. But if you want to find joy in a trial, we're going to have to fix our eyes a different way on where we want to go rather than where we don't want to go, all right? And this is going to take a major shift in our mindset, but God attempts to shift the mindset of the persecuted Christians living at this time through Peter. So let's see if he can do the same thing in us as well, all right? First thing I want you to write down, number one, God uses trials to reveal a genuine faith. God uses trials to reveal a genuine faith. This is cool. I want you guys to stay with me, all right? The enemy wants to use a trial to convince you how little faith you have, okay? But God uses a trial to show you how genuine your faith really is, okay? Or not genuine. But let's think positive here, okay? Do you know how much joy comes from just knowing that you are truly born again, like truly saved? There's a lot of joy in that. The joy of removing doubt from your mind, right? Like, because as you're kind of an early Christian and as you're kind of like, you know, living this, this faith out for a little bit at the beginning, like those thoughts can enter your mind and going, did it work? Like, did I get saved? Like, am I really saved? I mean, it talks about being born again, but how do I know that it really worked? Because one thing I really don't want, that, that I fear is like dying and then all of a sudden God being like, well, you weren't. And then you're just like, no, like I was afraid that was gonna happen, right? Like that that's, can be something that we think about. But did you guys know that trials actually help us to know that we actually have a genuine faith? Like it helps solidify the fact that we have a genuine faith, that we don't have to sit around and go, I don't know, I don't know. Like God brings those trials in so that it can show us the genuineness of our faith. It removes the doubt. And I want things to remove the doubt from my mind, right? But here's the thing. It's not, whenever we read that and we're like, you know, okay, so it, it proves the genuineness of our faith. Sometimes we think that that means that it proves to God how genuine our faith is. But have you ever thought about that for a second? Like, like, is God looking down from heaven and going, we'll see, I don't know. I don't know if you're really saved or not, but we're gonna find out. Here's a trial, right? And that way we get through it and God's like, okay, you're really saved. No, like God's all knowing, <laughs> hello, all right? So like he already knows whether you have a genuine faith or a disingenuine faith, right? Like he already knows that thing. So then, then who needs to be shown that they have a genuine faith? We do. We need to be shown that we have a genuine faith. Man, this faith is genuine and, and we get great confidence, right? There's great joy and confidence knowing that we have a genuine faith. And now I know a lot of people who have left the faith. 
You guys ever met someone like that? Like there are, there are people who used to be in my youth group uh, whenever I was a youth pastor and, um, and, and I, you know, get messages and stuff and it's like, oh, did you see so-and-so left the faith, right? Like I see people say that. And, uh, and usually, usually it's due to some kind of major trial that has happened. And it could be long, like it could be ongoing for a really, really long time. Like a trial that they've been going through. It could be something traumatic that they have gone through. And they just, they just found what, like they just found advice or they found what, for whatever reason, they're like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm, I'm going to leave the faith. Well, according to scripture, you did not leave the faith. That's not called leaving the faith. The moment you step out is the moment that your faith is proven disingenuous. Like that's the moment that that happens. And so whenever you think about that, it's like, nope, they didn't leave. Actually, what was true has just been revealed. And so whenever we go through trials, look, how do we find joy in a trial? Because whenever we're going through the middle of something and whenever we walk out on the other end with a closer relationship with God than we, when we walked into it, that's only proving to yourself that your faith really is genuine. And man, we can grab a lot of joy from knowing that we're truly saved, to know that, we're tr that we truly, truly belong to him. Your trials are tough, it's no doubt, right? But without them, how certain can we be of the genuineness of our faith? Number two, so that's number one, God uses trials to reveal a genuine faith. And number two, God uses trials to purify our faith. To purify our faith. Verse 7b, it says, it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. What's being tested? Your faith is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. I don't know about you guys, but I want my faith in Christ to grow more and more every day. Are you guys with me on that? Hopefully that's something that we all desire. Hopefully that's something that we all want is for our faith to grow in Christ more and more every day. For my faith to be rid of impurities. Come to find out there are impurities about our faith. Come to find out whenever we get saved, we're not perfect. Shocker right? But there are things about our faith that are impure, and, and God is working those things out as we, as we grow to look more like Jesus. He's working those things out, and he's purifying those things out. And my faith can be fur purified, you know, can't, I, I don't know if it can be purified without going through something that's going to purify it. Like, it's not going to be magic. Like, God's not just going to be like, I'm a little more today. No, a little more today. I'll purify it. No. I mean, sure, as we like read scripture and as we pray and as we draw closer to the Lord, our faith is going to be more and more purified. But guys, I don't know personally things that have purified my faith more than trials. Those, those were, it's like on the fast track of purification, right? Whenever we're going through trials. And, and that's something that is, is very, very necessary, right? And, and, and he's saying like, like these impurities that are in your faith, you, they need to be, you need to be rid of those things, right? And if Peter were writing this today, maybe he'd use an illustration of like a brittle water filter. I don't know. But they didn't have them back then. So he's like, yeah, you know, gold, <laughs> right? And so he's like, let me tell you a little bit about gold, right? Now, I don't know a lot about the process of, you know, purifying gold and things like that. I didn't go to school for that. Um, but the internet does, all right? And I found it. Uh, here's, here's, here's what I found, something about, um, about purifying gold. And this is actually pretty cool. 
This is what I read online. In an exciting process called refining, whoever this is is excited about this. In an exciting process called refining, it is, the gold is reliquified in a furnace. We've probably all seen videos of this, right? They're like mesmerizing to just watch these things. It is reliquified in a furnace and then heaped with generous amounts of soda, ash, and borax. This effectively separates the gold from impurities and other metal traces. Ah, cool. Now you can all go home a lot smarter about the purification process of gold. But Peter is saying trials are like a fire that is separating out the impurities of your faith. I like what one commentator said. It says, it has been said that the Eastern goldsmith kept the metal in the furnace until he could see his face reflected in it. So our Lord keeps us in the furnace of suffering until we reflect the glory and beauty of Jesus Christ. Oh, that was really good thought that was really, really, really good. Because that's honestly what's happening. Whenever we're going through that purification process during a trial, we're going to step out on the other side looking more like Jesus. And that's what we want. If our faith is genuine, we're going to step out on the other side looking more like Jesus. And I don't know about you, but the more I look like Jesus, I have a feeling that the more joy I'm going to have. The more I look like Jesus, the more joy that I'm going to have. Um, and so God uses the endurance of trials to bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day Jesus is revealed. We will not rejoice, all right, if we are fixated on our trials, but we will rejoice if we look ahead of them, if we look to where we want to go, if we look to the genuineness of our faith on the other side, if we look to the purification, the looking more like Jesus on the other side. I mean, can you just imagine Peter saying these words to these Christians? And can you imagine these Christians hearing this, like needing a word of encouragement? Because how do I find joy in the middle of all of these things that I'm going to, going through. And he says, think about the things outside. Think about your salvation. Think about, think about heaven. Think about how heaven is secure for you. But think about what's going to happen through the trial as well. Think about, think about how your faith is going to be shown to you that it's, it's actually a genuine faith. Think about how you're going to end up looking more like Jesus. Your faith is going to be purified on the other side. And I can just picture these Christians who are on the other side hearing this and going, thank you. I needed something to hold on to. Like I needed something tangible. And guys, it's the same thing in our lives. Like oftentimes, we just need something tangible. We need something to hold on to. And a lot of times, we try to hold on to these, these fleeting joys. The weekend, the vacation, like all these other, like, man, I'm going through the hard stuff, but at least I got a vacation coming up. No, that's not how God has designed for us to draw joy. He's, he's, made, he's made us, he, he has fashioned it in such a way that our joy can be found in something eternal rather than temporal. And I'm so incredibly, incredibly grateful for that, right? So that's how we can find our joy. And, and whenever we find joy, whenever we have joy, that's whenever that fruit of the Spirit is going to really start to show because then we're going to start producing joy. I don't know a lot of happy people that act miserable. Do you guys? I've never met that guy. I know a lot of miserable people that act miserable. 
And there are miserable people who can put a smile on their face, but you can usually tell the difference between somebody who's just got a smile on their face and somebody who's joyful. We can tell the difference, all right? No matter how outgoing and bubbly you are, like we can tell the difference. But we can show a true joy that this world is looking for. And this world needs so, so badly. And so that's just something that we can find and that we can show. And uh, in verse uh, 8, which comes after verse 7, that's how that works. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, in verse, in verse 8, he says this, you love him. After he says all those things about the fire and all that, he says, you love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Do you guys want to rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy? Man, isn't that a great way to live life? That's, a, that's, that's the life that God has meant for us to live, to live with, the, and to rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. And if we will take our eyes off of ourselves, if we'll take our eyes off of the trial itself, man, then we're going to be able to really find a lot of joy and be joy. All right. All right. That's all I got on my notes, guys. That's it. I'm looking down there and I'm like, did I forget anything? No, I did not forget anything. But here's, you know, I mean, we've already, we've already talked about, you know, what that takeaway is. But here's the thing that we always have to say, like, you can't take this to somebody who's not a believer and just be like, here's joy for you. Like, man, in order to have and to even be able to have this eternal joy that we're talking about here, like, we have to be saved. We have to have a relationship with Christ. We have to be born again, as that scripture says. And that's the, or else, if we're not, then the only thing we're going to do is just continue to find joy in temporal things. We're never going to be able to have an eternal joy. And so whenever you're talking to people about this, man, the first thing that we've got to make sure is that those people have a relationship with Christ. We couldn't have gone out there last night and just been like, hey, you guys want to find a bunch of, like, here's how you can be joyful. No, like, the number one thing is they have to have a relationship with Christ. They have to be born again. They have to be saved. And so make sure that you share that gospel message with people so that they can then start to experience joy and also produce joy as well, all right? Well, look, I don't know where you are on your joy level, all right? I don't know where you are. Like, I mean, if you're like me, sometimes it goes like this, right? Well, the purpose of this is to make it be more like this, all right? That our joy is consistent because we have a consistent God who has given us something inconsistency to be joyful about, all right? And, um, and so maybe we look into that and go, man, how am I doing on that? Maybe there's some stuff we need to repent from because we just have a really bad attitude about some stuff, right? Maybe, I mean, I did. I had to like, after writing this, I'm like, Lord, I am sorry, like, I am incredibly sorry for, for forgetting all of this and putting the focus on myself. Like, I, I'm so sorry. Um, maybe that's something that we need to look at. I have no idea. Um, but the question is, is how is your joy level? What are you drawing joy from? Where can you draw it? And so what I want to do is, like we always do, provide a time for you just to spend with God right now and you to go to him after you've heard the things that you've just heard. Maybe you want to reread the scripture again with, you know, where you have it. And, and, and just whatever it is, man, let's just take some time right now to just go to him and confess those things, to allow him to encourage you, to convict you, whatever it is that he's going to do, and, uh, and just spend some time with him because I do not want to walk out of here. Do not want to walk out of here without dealing with those things. So in the quietness of your seat, you guys bow your heads and you guys just go to him in prayer about those things. All right.
Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, please visit our website at hopecommunitynyc.com.